Welcome to Fargo Talks Fargo, a podcast on the FX television series Fargo. I'm Bill, and I'm back with my buddy Sharpie. We were both uh, born and bred in Fargo. Wow, that sounded weird to say born and bred, <laughs> but you know what? Roy would have born, bred, and corn. Yeah, fed. that that's the way Roy would have it as good North Dakota. Well, we're city slickers, basically big city folk. Here we are back to talk about uh, Fargo season five, episode two, trials and tribulations. We hope you enjoyed the last episode and our double feature hot dish. Yeah, here we are, Sharpie. What do you? Let's take take us here immediately. Where we open with Roy out on the range. What do you got? Out on the range, Roy Tillman, man. He's a hard man for hard times. Mm. So we learn a few things about uh, Roy Tillman here. He's been a sheriff since he was 25 years old. So he's been in this game for a long time. I think it's a family business of his. uh, Or that's what he might say. Yeah. Um, He did talk about they were career ranchers as well. Right. Yep, that's right. So... Uh, in this opening scene, there was there's a few little things I wanted to touch on. Um, some people on the internet have commented that there's Rolling Hills, uh, maybe a reference to sort of economic graphs and things like that. I didn't really catch that. But one thing I wanted to chat about I is... I just thought it looked like Western North Dakota. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, just looks like North Dakota. That's just the way it looks out there. Sorry, folks. <laughs> but we do... I mean, come on. Give some people some credit. We read into everything in this show as well. What? So. <laughs> come on. I, I went on a drum drum set diatribe and I can't... I suppose I should give them the Rolling Hills. I wanted to chat a little bit about, because uh, one thing that popped out to me, so we, there's, there's this clear nightmare before Christmas theme yeah, going on yeah. in this season. Okay. Um, in the previous episode, we saw those, uh, like flashbacks or uh, actually I'm, I'm pretty sure they're not flashbacks, but in when Dot's laying in her bed and she's like dreaming or seeing these visions and we see the, the three nightmare before Christmas characters. Uh, those three characters uh, are Lock, Shock, and Barrel are their names in Nightmare Before Christmas. Okay. Um, so they're like the henchmen of the one of the antagonists, Oogie Boogie, in that movie, uh, for those who have seen it. So uh, Lock is the Red Devil. He's played by Paul Rubens in that movie. Just a little fun fact. Shock mm. is uh, the witch. Rest in peace, uh, she's Paul. played by Catherine O'Hara. And Beryl is actually played by... Uh, Beryl's act is the skeleton, actually. He's in the middle. It's not Jack Skeleton. That's Beryl, who's different yeah. than Jack Skeleton. Um, so Skelling, Skellington, don't get that, right? Justin. Jack Skellington, yeah. yeah. Um, and Beryl's played by Danny Elfman in that movie. Just uh, some side notes there. But uh, we see those three characters very go, go by very quickly in Dot's vision, right? And that's from mm-hmm. episode one. Um, in the movie, Nightmare Before Christmas, those three characters are tasked with, uh, by Jack Skellington to kidnap Santa Claus. Um, and as part of their endeavor, uh, you see them kind of traversing these hills. And that's what that reminded me of in these first shots. You see, you see Roy Till- Tillman's henchmen, basically, on, cause, it's not clear as to whether Roy is one of those men on the horseback kind of going up and down the hills. Uh, it could be his henchman. In Nightmare Before Christmas, the the henchmen, uh, Lock, Shock, and Barrel, are, they actually never interact with the Oogie Boogie. So it'll be interesting like to see how that plan- pans out in this. Uh, if the henchmen, if these like back background henchmen ever actually interact with Roy Tillman, they probably will, but they probably won't take it that literally. But um, that's what that reminded me of. You see these guys on horseback going up and down, up and down the hills, and that is just like in uh, Nightmare Before Christmas, Lock, Shock, and Barrel going up and down the hills as they go on their adventures to kidnap Sandy Claus. Sandy Claus is what they say. Um, so I thought that was kind of interesting. Um, in the movie, that scene is about uh, 35 minutes in, and it's right away in the beginning of this episode, too. Um, so, Lock, Shock, and Barrel. So, we'll see who how that plays out. Um, what it, Again, this is kind of going back to episode one, but you see the middle character, um, which is Barrel. It looks a lot like it might be Gator. Well, it is Gator, I'm fairly certain, because Gator... Has the sheriff... The, has the sheriff vest on, but if you like really look closely, his arm is actually broken, and he's got a cast on. Ah, so that would mean that this is an event actually in the future. So this isn't a pat. So this isn't actually a flashback. This is right, maybe right. a vision of what's to come. I love that. I think even in our 
podcast notes, I called it flashes of scenes instead of if you're noticing it. Mm-hmm. I hope you're enjoying it. If you have a podcast player that allows for chapter markers, you can look at those. I did one time change the chapter marker image to your a man writing a man. Oh, <laughs> with yeah. The man scene. So <laughs> yeah, feel free to check that out. We're going to go. We're going high tech, but I, I love that. And I, I do have it on my list because I'm just going to be super honest. Never seen Nightmare Before Christmas. I'm going to remedy. <gasps> I know I'm going to remedy that because I'm worried. Billy. It's, a, it's just too fun to not have seen it. And B, I just want to have some more knowledge about it for for the rest of this season. It, even if it even if it disappears by episode four, don't care. I just want to check it out. But um, the thing I kind of want to tell you about about Roy, you know, we talked in the hot dish about this just front end exposition of just like we learned so much we need to know about Roy. And we'll cover some of it just in case there are people I know who do skip the hot dish, and that's okay. Interesting to me, thinking about sheriffs as a, an elected position, uh, he's at it for 25 years, and it's, in, you know, th- so I get it, it's the law, right? But he's also a politician. It's, he's a career politician. If you that's think right. about it, like, what an interesting thing. He's a rancher, but I'm a career politician. He has this whole early chat, you know, like things where we're hearing this voiceover about the natural order of things. And, you know, Mm -hmm. Jesus was a man, not a bearded lady, you know, so we're very much setting out this, he, you know, and I said this, husband is the head of the household, woman abides, you know, so only raise your hand to a woman if she acts. The man was another thing. So he very much doesn't like anything that is maybe considered to be what I would say, like gender bending or non- conforming or untraditional roles in in between a man and and a woman and it's just so interesting about how much he seemingly cares like all the way down to like it's just such good john ham to his hand pats on the girl's hand sorry i'm i'm gesturing to sharpie mm-hmm. who can see me on camera <laughs> his way he he pats her hand and comforts her as her husband is being kind of like half ass choked out as a lesson but i just thought it was so crazy just the amount of stuff in this plus it's just the place is called little texas which sorry texas if i know we have listeners there um whatever we what, we, we all get a weird what, rap north dakota texas florida whatever Ugh. one thing i love <laughs> about the exterior shot of little texas is, is not only that it's a barn painted like on the outside of a, a like a block building yes yes <laughs> um but i also love that bureau on the side that says i i once was lost but now and then nothing. It's, it's like it never got. It never even got finished. But that's a real thing around here. I mean, you've been to those places, haven't you? That sure. look like this out in the country. Yeah, it's, absolutely. They're just super they're awesome. run. They're super run down. They're super weird. They're always on the edge of some town with a grain elevator. I mean, there's a place in a uh, near where my folks are from called a villa called the Hitching Post. It's 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 well done. I just think it's so good that they've laid out this idea that he. And we learn more of this later with the FBI agents, but he he cares, but it's his way and only his interpretation of God, law, and morality. And I just thought the thing I caught on the second watch was the way he said to, quote, cater to his needs as a man with your mouth in order yeah. to sow harmony. Absolutely disgusting. It, exactly. Like, like a little bit of me wanted to be like, it's just another way to ha- tell her to shut up. You know? Yeah, it wasn't just that either. He says, go to your home, make your husband a meal, meal. Yeah, then tend to his wounds. Clearly his fragile pride, right? Ugh, God. It's so good how quickly... Made my skin crawl. It's so good how they've helped us like love his performance but hate him so much so fast. Do you have any other little Texas commentary we could make? Uh, no, I don't think so. We can move on. You know, and I had mentioned we were going to come back to this originally, but... But yeah, I there's a lot of stuff. It's just so such good little Lebowski moments in there. I'll admit the annihilist. I believe in nothing. Roy does, mm-hmm. of course, call him out and say, "Well, you clearly believe in money," because he's he's taken umbrage to the fact that he feels like he was lied to about what the job was. You know, mm-hmm. it, it, I was supposed to just be kidnapping a woman, a housewife, and he says a housewife and a tiger are completely different wages. And that's where I think it's just so interesting. So if you had a chance to read The Lady or the Tiger, I'd recommend doing it. It's by Frank Stockton, but it's just this whole choice of you don't know what's going to happen. And I don't know. I don't want to. I don't want to go too deep into it because I don't know. I think there's going to be more room to talk about it. But do you? Mm-hmm. Did you read through that at all or not? 
Well, I really like this scene. Uh, it, it had it was a little bit. It was kind of dynamic in the sense that you had this guy sort of training this horse in the background. They're in the mm-hmm. stable. They're indoors. There's this. Um, there's these three three characters. You've got Gator. You got Roy, and you've got Oli Munch. And you really get some. You you really. I think get what we were kind of all craving a little bit more from Oli Munch and hearing how he talks and he talks in a really unique way. And very I think much, we're going very to, much. Um, I think this might be a reference. This we, we might see some Star Wars stuff being weaving its way through this universe as well, um, because he when he talks he sounds a little bit like Yoda, right? Like a little not, bit, not not perfectly, but uh, it it definitely sounds like sort of in the vein of. Yoda knees, or however you want to say it. <laughs> you know, there's some sort of uh, spiritual, otherworldly aspect to their f- their speech and phrasing, right? Absolutely. Um, and then between Roy and Gator, they clearly have you know some inside talk, some code language. As Roy tells Gator to take Oli to the fixin' place. So clearly, Roy and Gator were on the same page. Roy's saying, "Hey, take this guy over to the fixin' place," and you know knock them off or something. Yeah. Because they, they acknowledged each other that, oh yeah, the fixing place. Okay. So they have some sort of like coded language as well between the two. Um, so there's, so language is definitely a little bit of a theme here and the way they talk to each other. And I, I just found that whole scene to be interesting and a little bit rewarding. I, I loved it. I loved hearing Oli Munch. The other thing I, I like that. I had a quick note about that too, just about, you know, uh, even when he says a man is grateful is what, what Munch mm-hmm. says to him when he thinks he's going to get paid, but it is also the first original payoff for us that we find out that it's his wife and that you very, very rightly pointed out that this season is about who's owed what debts paid. This is also the scene where we heard Roy said that he wants her debt paid and that it left him in some sort of limbo. And he had mm-hmm. he he mentioned that the interest had accrued for nine to 10 years until the debt can't be paid with money. So- I worry that, is he talking about the child, who we still don't know whose kid it is, but the 9 to 10 years? It's also about the 9 to 10 years of Scotty's age. But yeah, it's it's a real good layout for us, and it is shot really well. I, I like what you're saying about just even, I looked back again, hearing you talk about the way they light the scenes that, mm-hmm. that Mun- Oli munches in, and it's just, they are, they're, they're, they are really- He sort of comes out of the shadows. Yes, yeah, it, like from behind his like very robe-like clothing. Um, yeah, and the nine to ten years. I want to get back to that timeline it, okay. it, later on in the show. Um, sure, we can put a pin. The, in the that. pieces are definitely like falling together, falling in place. I did love the way that Munch just got the drop on the whole situation. It was it was fun to see. Plus, Joe Keery, right? Immediately mm-hmm. in a very short time, he also has made us, you know, from the lovable guy from Stranger Things, right? Mm-hmm. To immediately within, like, didn't, you just hated him, like, from the two seconds in, didn't you? Even before you knew totally. his name was Gator. Yeah, and I didn't even, I actually didn't even re- recognize that it was the same guy <laughs> from Stranger Things. So that's how transformative he took this character. He's got it all, man. He's got the, I mean, like, all the way down to the second watch, I also noticed that he does the full-on, and I'm not making any aspersions on Guy Fieri here, uh, the, the backwards sunglasses, though, the... Ba- I think backwards is okay sometimes. Backwards and upside down, though. Now you're getting, now yeah, you're getting yeah. crazy. Now we're getting weird. Go out there and read The Lady and the Tiger. I'd love to see how everybody else kind of overall thinks about it as as a story. And it's it's an unsolvable problem, right? If you read the story, you find out that this person who is this barbaric king who's forcing somebody who was uh, stooping around with his daughter has to just go to these doors and open one door and behind it and go in and find out if it's Lady or the Tiger. But the the door, the rooms are like sound sealed. So you don't know what's there. And one side's a hungry tiger, the other side's a housewife. But like the bottom line is, is that the, the, the quote unquote king's daughter slash lover figures out which is which and kind of is like nodding to one or the other. But then you have to decide, oh, wait, what would she rather see, right? What's worse? To see the love of your life eaten by a tiger or to be forced to marry another. And so that's mm. that's where we're at. That's this whole like, what's worse? Like, I, I don't know. What are we going to do about that? There's a little more to that, but I don't want to get us too deep into it because I don't know if it's going to go that far past this, but may- maybe it will. Maybe it will in the next episodes. We've obviously talked mm. about lions and tigers. Um, 
we leave the Tillman Ranch and we end up back at Dot and Wayne's house. And well, before um, we get there, oh, we okay. do see yeah, Ole Munch kind of like take over the henchman uh, using his cigarette. Uh, right. So so Ole overpowers the the Tillman Ranch boys and and escapes. Right. Yes. Uh, but he uses his cigarette, which the the scene started on. Oli's hands holding the cigarette, which I thought was a very beautiful shot. I was trying to figure out, like, did he drop it or did he just find a cigarette on the ground? Did you did you look at that and like, be like, what the hell? Yeah, I don't know. Because he does pick it up off the ground. I don't know if he, like, chucked it there or if he finds one um, and he's just being resourceful. But I don't know. Maybe the cigarette is his lightsaber or something. But he uses that wow. lightsaber. You're, he uses, just what I thought that I was cigarette. making crazy ideas. You're like, you're, you're making cigarette lightsabers yeah. now? Cigarettes his weapon. Use I mean, he completely disarms Gator with the fl- <laughs> flick of a cigarette, which was amazing. Yeah, I think I think the cigarette trick is a pretty good one in a lot of films and, and TV yeah. shows. You know, it's the because who wants that in their face, right? I don't know. Mm. It looks like he finds it, man. I'm I'm I pulled it up real quick. I don't know. It's just satisfying watching somebody get their comeuppance like that so early. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> All right, let's head over to Dot's house. Back at Dot and Wayne's, uh, I think the the number one thing I got of the the whole thing back at Dot and Wayne's, the kind of the the quicker side of this scene was that a Deputy Olmstead, Indira Olmstead, does not she she's not giving up. She's going to keep pressing, but that this scene shows proves as a way for us to realize that Wayne will back Dot currently. When it's mm-hmm. when it's not his mother he's pushing back against, he will side with Dot. He doesn't care about the blood, doesn't care about the balaclava, and and he really just comes in there because all he wants to do is make her happy. And eventually he shuts it down with, well, well there's nothing more to say. If you have something else to do, see my mother's lawyer, Danish Graves. I mean, that to me is the mm-hmm. the the gist of that. Is there anything other that you would pick up on that, or did any, or is, do you feel like it's the the laying ground for that? Um, no, I, yeah, I think you're spot on there. What I liked about this scene, very small little detail, was the use of the word recidivist, uh, which is used twice in this episode, which is such an interesting word that I don't think is commonly used, or maybe my vocabulary is just lacking, which it is. That's a fact. <laughs> um, and, and maybe, and there, it's, it's both, it's used by two law enforcement agents, so maybe it's a more common wor- word in their vernacular, but, um, Indira says she's a, she's a recidivist. Uh, on the count of um, leaving the house a mess, um, and then we later uh, later on the in the show we'll hear that same word being used by Whitfar. We get to Lorraine's office where we kind of get the whole Danish and Lorraine hatching their plan. Let, riddle me this, Sharpie. Uh, I didn't notice till the second time through when Lorraine's suggesting all these she- things, and she says a play. They're making a play, and at first I thought mm-hmm. like. A ploy, a play, but then I thought, is this a reference to the play, the school play? They're all of the above. Did you did you catch that or not? Yeah, totally. And that's that's all I thought. I didn't go into that um, too deep, but yeah, I loved that. Um, I love that little take on it, and I also love how Danish Graves is isn't like quite buying the whole scheme thing. <laughs> He's just like, maybe this isn't the case. Maybe they're just, uh, you know, I, I, I love that because he's a bit of a henchman himself. And instead of just like going right along with it, I mean, ultimately he does, right? Because he's not the boss, but he's just uh, very skeptical of the the huge plot that uh, Lorraine thinks Dot is up to. The scheme. I don't know. He... Dan- Danish is almost more a partner than Wink is. That's for sure. Absolutely. He, it, yeah. w- her husband doesn't know whether or not to put down the drink, <laughs> and, or and take the gun, take the cannoli, or to, or to do do the right thing. But um, this is also the second very stark moment where she, Lorraine says she made promises to me, you know, to have and hold, very much mirroring shortly after Roy's. And she also says a debt they'll collect, you know. Mm-hmm. So, so I, I think that's just such a fantastic piece you grabbed onto very early on, and I, I think we're seeing all of that work its way out. Both parties have something they want from Dot. They both use the word debt, and they're all centered mm-hmm. around 
marriage and and the yes. the, the the things that come with that marriage. Um, next thing you know, we're into a working man song by Rush, and so fun. We we get to see Roy in his in his hot tub smoking a cigar when the feds show up. Uh, we also do get a nice little um, toss in of Acadia. Truly is. Uh, no- northeast out of Minneapolis, it is a very small town, much smaller than would have a police department of that size, uh, in my guesstimation. But um, they do tell us that that when they show up, that Acadia is, uh, is a suburb outside of the Twin Cities. And then they talked about the the Kia dealership, and Roy says Koreans make cars now. I don't yeah, know if you, I don't know if you caught that. I just yeah. thought, what, so where's your? Where have you been in 2019, Roy? Or are you just <laughs> trying to make sure that you put down things that are seemingly un-American? Right. Yeah. So Gator's clearly been doing his homework here. Um, so he's 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 giving his dad Roy kind of the the rundown on his homework from uh, his research on on Dot. So he says Dot left. So we know Dot left nine to ten years ago. We learned that a little bit earlier. So yes. let's just kind of like get a grasp on this timeline. We know Dot left nine to ten years ago. Gator says Dot has been living in the suburb of the Twin Cities for, and has been married for ten years. Um, he also says he also makes sure to mention that uh, she's got a daughter that's nine years old. Um, so that's all kind of lining up pretty perfectly here for mm-hmm. uh, Scotty to be about the age that. Um, dot left Roy, creating creating a lot of unknowns for us. Is it Roy's? Is it Wayne's? In my world, is it Lars? I don't know. At the end of talking, you know, Agent Joaquin and Meyer, Roy, of course, gives us another just like double down on his. He's a he's a better enforcer of God's laws elected by the county. Basically, he's a suck at feds. You know, states and counties over this. You can't get rid of me. And it's kind of mm-hmm. true that getting rid of a sheriff is very hard. Yeah, he says his constituents love him because he says what he wants and he does what he pleases, which is um, which is something you hear quite often in, yeah, in some other age. political figures in our world. Who? Yeah, exactly. And uh, he also he also says that he's above the law in the sense that what is law? He he stands for the Constitution and. His constituents know that, and the Constitution is above the law. So what on what grounds do these feds, uh, can they judge him? Yeah. Did you catch the scene where Gator was like, freedom, and talked about freedom, yeah. and Roy, Roy goes, amen. And then go do your chores. <laughs> go do your chores, right? <laughs> it's like, it's about freedom, and then yeah. he's immediately commanded to go do his chores. <laughs> um. Some freedom, Gator. Would you, if you had the money and it was available, would you get yourself a Tillman towel? I would. I would love to cloak myself in a in a moist after drying off in a moist Don Draper. Oh yes, I was Roy hoping Tillman you'd mention slash that. John Ham slash all the good rolls. You like you like the towel? I love the towel. I do hope they sell those on FX.com. The nipple ring stuff. Did there the figurine? There is a figurine on FX of him pulling his shirt open. Showing his nipple ring. I will do my best. <laughs> really? I will do my best to remember to change the album art during this part of the conversation to that. We'll see what happens. Yeah. So um, when the when the feds are kind of drilling him about you know not adhering to the law, uh, Roy goes off on you know this not just the fact that he's above the law because he stands for the Constitution. The Constitution and the law have nothing to do with each other. Uh, but he goes into kind of listing a bunch of examples of why laws are ridiculous and how they're just not kept up with and and they're silly and you don't have to follow all the laws. So one of the things he says, well, of a few, I guess we'll just mention a few here. Um, He says it's illegal in North Dakota for a charitable group to hold more than two poker games a year. Um, So that's one thing. So I wanted to see if these were actually true. They they uh, are. That as a matter of fact, that is a fact. The mm-hmm. maximum single bet for a game, uh, for a charitable a charitable group to hold is a dollar. You can um, have no more than three raises. Uh, each raise has to be a maximum of a dollar. Um, and yeah, that's pretty much it. You have to be twenty one to play poker. 
Um, so that is a fact. So I was able to find that. The other ones, uh, I couldn't really find like a very solid, uh, verifiable source for. Just some really shady, crummy looking websites. But he says things like it's illegal to keep an elk in a sandbox. Uh, it's illegal to serve beer and pretzels at the same time. It's illegal for horses to sleep in bathtubs. Um, so all of these, according to these uh, really obscure websites I found, claim to be true. Um, yes. I couldn't find them in any actual, like, to any, like, official sense, any, like, you know, government website that's that stakes these claims. Uh, but all of them were listed on pretty much every website. So you can kind of as they were doing their research and writing this show, you can kind of uh, gather that they just got all these from one of those web pages. And a fun fact on the bottom of one of those pages, it, uh, it also says in Collierville, which I have never heard of that town in North Dakota. Don't know if it exists. I know there's one in Tennessee, but it says in Collierville, all bathtubs must be kept in the backyard. So I was also wondering if that was maybe provided that little tidbit, maybe provided some inspiration for this entire scene. Yeah. Every state's got some sort of weird stuff, and that's where mm-hmm. he's. But that's the whole. I'm going to use the exception, these weird rules, to just say, well, the rest of these laws are dumb. I'm going to go with the Constitution. Yeah. Um. Real briefly, mm-hmm. uh, this is a total tangent, but what do you think? Isn't that Gators, our whole show? <laughs> what do you think Gator's tattoo on his right arm is? Oh, because I've, you only see the lower half of it, and all I see is LOL. What? <laughs> Great. I don't know what it is. We'll find out uh, at some point, I assume. But it, it's like it says LOL on his arm so far the entire time we've seen him. Upper arm, upper arm, above is, the cast. Okay, well, I'll have to look back. <laughs> Want to talk about the next the next kind of thing? We're trying to go through these a little chronologically. Uh, Dot's house and the visit from Lorraine. Uh, mm-hmm. I can strongly vouch for blizzards in the Midwest are a tasty treat year-round, winter or not. Doesn't make a difference. Yeah, that's true. People love their blizzards. It's fantastic up here. And they're, they're a thing. Uh, I, I, thought it, I thought it interesting that Lorraine, she was like, how'd you get in? And she's like, I have a key. It's my son's house. Putting it in a way of like, the house is owned by my lineage, not you, not your house, not any of that, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then also, once again, Lorraine, much like the photo, commenting on her wearing a, pants and tie asks her if she has lipstick on nope asked her about playing with asked scotty about playing with dolls nope she wants to play with ninjas so mm-hmm. just you know and yeah just more so, more laying the groundwork of lorraine also much like roy these opposing people in dot's life now even both have their own designs on what what's seemingly acceptable for a, a gal or a woman or a, a girl you know Mm-hmm. Yeah, and Lorraine um, instructs her bodyguard, I don't recall his name right now, to take Scotty out of there and, and you'll go upstairs. This is after the ninja comment, and so the bodyguard kind of picks up on that and says, hey, you know, young Luke Skywalker, let me yes. show you. Like, it's real um, samurai. The of a, a real samurai or something like that. going to give so, her the old Kurosawa treatment. Yeah, so that, after I had just watched the scene with Oli Munch in the stable, and he's and I'm like, man, he's talking kind of like Yoda in a way. And then this like direct reference, direct call out to Star Wars. I was like, right. oh, okay, that's the second time. This can't be a coincidence, right? He says, he says, come on, young Skywalker. I I thought it was more yes. of a, a or is this a reference to the time? No idea. Okay. I don't know the timeline of um, that's okay. Star Wars that's universe. Okay. That's okay. Carry um, on. I'm sorry. Okay, so we've got that. So young Skywalker. We've got Oli Munch sounding like Yoda. And then I'm thinking, um, oh, sorry, it is 2019 is the episode, The Rise of Skywalker. Oh, interesting. It's it's not only your point is relevant, but it's relevant to the year. Uh, Back in episode one, not not Star Wars episode one, uh, but (laughs) (laughs) season five. Nobody needs to watch that. (laughs) Um, Don't at me. so we're, I'm, I'm doing a flashback here to the previous <laughs> yeah, episode yeah, yeah. when uh, uh, you were talking about Lars Olmsted and, you know, how maybe that was a reference to Marge and her maiden name and, like, who's this Lars character? Well, if you say it fast, Lars Olmsted, Lars Olmsted, right? Mm-hmm. Lars, Lars Homestead is where Luke Skywalker grew up on Tatooine. What? Yeah. <laughs> Lars 
homestead because it belonged to the Lars family. God damn. So how crazy is that? This is great. No, you're a hard man for hard times, Matt. (laughs) So, I mean, come on. That can't be a coincidence. I mean, the homestead thing is great. That is a great reference to original Fargo. Super deep cut there. I love it. I love it. Lars Homestead being the home of Luke Skywalker as a child. That's pretty awesome. That's super awesome. And if you think about it, if you think about even the look of that, that original Skywalker, it's like that just desolate prairie with the lone house on it. It's very... Mm -hmm. Very Midwest, very Midwest. I mean, you could also say that's Nebraska or whatever, but that's fun. That's fun sure. as hell, dude. I love it. Yeah. So, um, you know, Dot accuses Lo- or Lorraine accuses Dot of trying to swindle the family fortune uh, when they're alone, uh, and then we see an interesting break in Dot's character. Now, I first watched this episode in a hotel room, uh, in yeah, I know uh, what you're going to say. Hotel TV, and I didn't Saiyan, have. Baby the closed captions on. Yep. Uh, but I was, but I remember like kind of looking, I was, I was, I, I remember it catching me off guard. Cause I was like, did Juno temple just like break her accent there when she tried mm-hmm, to like mm-hmm. get really stern? And I thought that was kind of odd. Well, on the second watch through w- watching it with the closed captions on, of course that was confirmed. So it, it even says in the closed captions, it says, you know, breaks. It says uh, loses, loses accent. Cause I wrote it down. Yeah, so they wouldn't put that in there if it wasn't part of the story, right? So um, that was a good confirmation. That made me feel good because I was like, no way. I mean, she's a great actress. Like, she, there's no way that she's like just broke that and got away with it. So it was definitely on purpose, which is great on her because uh, it was obvious and it, it did catch me as I was watching it, like made me stop my tracks a little bit. And I was like, wait a second, what's going on here? Um, so yeah, confirmed. She def- definitely broke her accent. It's part of the storyline. And then when she picks back up and she's like, oh, well, I'll see you Sunday then. And it says in Minnesota accent. Does. So thank you for also catching that. I'm cause I brought up the whole listen, bitch. Like she didn't say mm-hmm. listen, bitch. She, I mean, she, <laughs> She broke it. And yeah, the minute I saw the closed caption say Minnesota accent again, I was like, oh, she is not even from the Midwest, is she? No, she is not from around these parts. Mm. Can I can I read what it is she says, though? Because I think this also describes a lot. She says, listen, bitch, I've climbed through six kinds of hell to where I am. And no Ivy League royal wannabe is going to run me off just because she doesn't like the way I smell. If you want to tussle with me, you better sleep with both eyes open because nobody takes what's mine and lives. That's it is a deep cut on all sorts of stuff. It's here here's here's who I really am. I'm just going to let you know this. Cuz earlier also just back up two sex. Lorraine said I wanted a girl with papers, which is close to saying I wanted a purebred. I wanted mm. somebody who's of of esteem in those things. And Mm -hmm. I think that's what she says. No Ivy league Royal wannabe. And Lorraine even has this like mid Atlantic movie star accent that, which is total horseshit. And some people are like, why does she talk like that? And I'm like, it's an affectation for the character. I also like that. You know, the phrase is usually you better sleep with one eye open. I'm sticking by my, you don't mess with Mm -hmm. dot. She's like, not just one, you better keep both your eyes open. Cause if you try to take what's mine, you're, you're, dead anywho thanks for stopping by dinner sunday dinner sunday that is a but i'll bring my blue salad that's the perfect you know this is just one of many in these first two episodes of hey dad you're gonna stay for supper instead of the dad staying for supper it's i why don't we have dinner sunday and i'll come to your place and bring the salad because she's the one with the supposed empire not jerry and gene lundegaard right where dad just shows Mm. up and sits and watches gophers on the the couch. Mm. What is your definition of a blue salad? Oh God, so deep. <laughs> I I mean, I just imagine. Can we talk about midwestern salads I, for a I moment? Mean, well, I feel like we have, but um, I'm sure we have. I just I just assume that there's it, it involves a pack of Jello. 
for his. See, that's what I assume too. I mean, I think I think most people would probably think, oh, it's like a salad with blue cheese in it. No, uh, which makes no, 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 total sense. But when I hear blue salad, I instantly thought of Jello. It's it's a hundred percent. Have you ever had a Jello tuna salad? Uh, no, but as a person who grew up Catholic, I've had a lot of tuna things I don't want to talk about. <laughs> it's like ask me if I eat a lot of fish anymore. Uh, the the classic like Midwestern Jello salad is it's basically like it. It's this formula. It's jello of some flavor, mm-hmm. obviously, plus cottage cheese, plus a fruit and or and or a vegetable, right. plus plus uh marshmallows. I, I would generally it say cool it's usually top. fruit. Like if you like to me a blue salad would be it's very much like the salads you would find around um Fourth of July, where it's blueberry jello with uh, whipped topping, Cool Whip, if you're in the know. And then you would have like mm-hmm. strawberries and banana and blueberries cut and mixed into it. That, that to me, is the quintessential, like, true blue salad. Or like, in my household, mm-hmm. there was always like a salad with mandarin orange slices, canned mandarin orange slices in it. That kind yep. of stuff. But yeah, yeah, it is. I've had, I've had. I've had salads, uh, sometimes they're referred to as funeral salads, by the way. Oh, God, yeah. With mandarin oranges, oranges mm-hmm. and peas together. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> I, I just don't know how to... That was such a disappointing, I just yeah. don't know how to break it to anybody that... I, I really do think... I don't know what the real origins are. I don't know the animal, but I just... I think it comes from the... The long tail of of harder lives and no money kind of coming out to the Midwest and nobody will waste anything. So the more of it you can throw together into a thing. I mean, like the amount of things that are called salad out here is stupid. I mean, one of my favorite things to eat over the summer is a corn salad that my friend John makes and we've we love it. And it's like I just like it's a corn salad, but it's just it's corn and cheese and just a shit ton of mayo. Right, like right. and cheese, and it's like that's a salad. But I don't know, you know, what's a what's a sandwich? Is a hot dog a sandwich? I don't know. We don't have to go here. Ninety um, percent of the things that are called salad uh, in the Midwest are candy, basically mm-hmm. their desserts, mm-hmm. um, or uh, let's say um, the remaining nine percent are. Uh, covered in mayonnaise, and the 1% are actually green. Well, no, here's how you know if it's a salad in the Midwest. If it is offered to you at the beginning of your meal, and it comes on its own plate, Mm. it's going to have green shit in it. (laughs) If it is served during the meal, it is very likely a cold pasta salad of some sort, which also will contain... 10,000 gallons of mayonnaise. If it is served That's correct. towards the end and it is summer and it's at the end of the line, the sort of buffet line, and you see fruit in it, then it's a fruit and sometimes, yes, peas are weird vegetable salad. That's it. That's, I mean, it's just... You should write a Wikipedia post. Yeah, I guess. Well, I think they only apply to like our little region. You, you go outside of that, but wow, we have derailed. Um, yeah. Well, that threw me down a rabbit hole, and uh, I'll just kind of wrap this okay. up because I wanted to learn about the history of Jello, and I found this article on Serious Eats, Ooh. and it, uh, Serious Eats uh, claimed that Jello became increasingly popular uh, beginning in the 20th century, uh, particularly around 19 like 02 to 1906. In 1906, the Pure Food and Drug Act uh, came out, and that ultimately led to the creation of the FDA. Um, but all of that was sparked by well in conjunction with a lot of things, but a major like uproar in the general like public opinion is because of Upton Sinclair's The Jungle. The jungle yep, yep. Um, and that was a very um, prominent theme in the previous episode of Fargo mm-hmm. um, when we had the meatpacking plants or and pre- all that kind previous of stuff. So season, I, thought, I mean, previous season, not episode. Yeah, that's oh, what I said. No, right? I thought you said season. Oh, previous season. Yeah, sorry if I, okay, sorry yeah, if I previous misheard. Previous season. I probably said it wrong. Um, yeah, so... Uh, that kind of like <laughs> tied it back into the universe for me. And I was like, oh, that's great. Um, because it, it became popular because there was this sort of 
thought that, you know, all these packaged and processed foods were a lot safer. And so people kept like going and, and they would advertise it as that. They'd advertise Jell-O as like pure, even though it's still ultimately coming from like the the product of these meatpacking plants anyway. Um, but it was advertised as something pure and, and um, you know, healthy. Yeah. Because it's packaged and processed. Mm. Picnics. So anyway, Picnics. Jello rant over. I'm sure we've done that like six times on this uh, show by now. I just love that you almost seem more excited about that connection than the Lars Homestead. <laughs> that is your that is uh, your true Midwestern roots coming to bear. Uh, okay, okay, we got to keep uh, going here. We got plenty to finish here. Yeah. Uh, real quick, I, I or not real quick, just uh, up next. Because I, I keep playing up this whole, like, they're very much playing around Scotty, you know, and Scotty, if, as we discussed, was the same name of the child in the Fargo film. Scotty is also the name of the child in this episode. But when she goes upstairs and dots in the bathroom, kind of looking at her bruises from her walkabout, as she would say, um, Scotty is sort of like digging around the back of her pants and I thought yeah. it was very interesting that Dot says, what's going on down there? Which I thought was sort of a lead in. Maybe I'm reading too far into this ambiguity of which way she, she, he, he uh, they are. And I, I, I mean, honestly, I'm not a person. I just, it doesn't matter to me, but it's just, I feel like that's what they're playing into this. And, and, but what I love is in the end, they combat it immediately with a, it's just a wedgie. It's just a wedgie. Stop like. Stop trying to make a big deal out of what's not a big deal. I thought that was interesting that she's she's like Dot is asking Scotty, what's going on down there? And the answer is, so just a wedgie, like get off my shit kind of thing. I don't mm-hmm. think Scotty meant it that way in the delivery. But uh, also, this is the scene where I realized I've been wrong in the last Ooh. two discussions. I thought the wallpaper in her bathroom was a tiger and it made me feel good. Because of the lady or the tiger. And what I've realized upon a second more astute viewing is it's a leopard. It's Mm -hmm. leopards. It's still jungly, like you mentioned, all over her house. But what I love about this is now I'm realizing after talking about her accent um, is that a leopard can't Mm -hmm. change its spots. And she has, and she's showing spots on her she's, back. She's, she this. has a spot on her back. And yeah. <laughs> she has also just recently broken, quote unquote, character mm-hmm. in this listen, bitch moment. Like, she is working so hard to hold up this, oh, yeah, I'm from North Dakota, and I'm just me. It's me, Dorothy Lyon. I'm, I'm just this little, and I'm, and, and on top of it, as much as she wants to feel or seemingly tries to be demure, she's a powerhouse. And I stick, I'm sticking to this man the whole season. This is my, this is my tornado payoff. She is, That's she is not a gal to be fucked with. She can't, not only can she not change the fact that she's, she will, as she said herself, nobody takes what's mine and lives. She's not letting that go. It's also that even even the amount of like caking on of Midwest, uh, she can't do it. It's also why she completely doesn't, I think, understand M- Minnesota nice because you can't, it's so hard to take on. Anyway. Ooh, Bill. Bill, I love that. That launches us into craft time, craft project time with Scotty and Dot with the song Paranoid by Grand Funk Railroad. And I won't play it. I did play it. By the way, Sharpie, you may not know this because Sharpie doesn't listen to our edits sometimes. I did play some of the song in the last one. Um, But this one, Grand Funk, uh, maybe I'll edit it in. Maybe I won't. Uh, It says, did you ever have the feeling in your life that someone was watching you? He don't have no reason. That's right. But he's still there watching you. Someone is waiting just outside the door to take you away. Everybody knows just what he's there for to take you away. But who wasn't that there that you should look out for? Who wasn't there that you should look out for? And then eventually it says, get back inside your wall and shut the door. Boom. And we're at the Kia, de- then we're at the Kia dealership. <laughs> did you like the Kia dealership scene? I did. I, I think I mostly liked it because, I mean, Lorraine calling out the shots from the phone was hilarious. But I liked the um, just parallel with the original movie. That scene would not be as cool as it was if it wasn't over. No, it wouldn't. Would it? 
Um, so Lorraine and Danish agreed in the very beginning when they were back at the, the corporate office that they were going to divide and conquer, basically split the two up. They, they decided, uh, Danish, you're going to go to Wayne. I'm going to go to Dot. We're going to split them up. We're going to get their stories. Um, yet, and so Danish does. He goes to the dealership to meet with Wayne, say like, hey, you know, what's going on, man, uh, with this, you know, whole fake thing. And, Lorraine still calls in <laughs> and, 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 and like can't give up control, basically. No. Um, so even though Danish went there and they agreed to both go and each take like a side and, and get the story straight, Lorraine's still injecting herself on both sides because she cannot stand to not do everything herself, probably. Micromanager of industry, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So she's kind of beaming in, uh, you know, that's like... That's like the Star Wars holograph, only it's over. It's just a speakerphone. <laughs> help, help me, Danish. You're my only hope, except I don't believe in you. <laughs> yeah. She's the emperor. She's kind of oh, like right, beaming right. in her. And she, holographic and she can voice. choke you from afar or slap you. Mm hmm. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Good one, Bill. <laughs> I'm trying to help you out here, brother. <laughs> that's it. Mm hmm. We're on to yep, something here. Yep. Uh, that's good stuff. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I mean, that's all there is to that. I mean, key, key, key dealership, pretty awesome. Yeah. I I thought the, the minor thing I'll, I'll say, um, a good Fargo movie throwback to um, Jerry Lundegaard, who can't seemingly locate VIN numbers because he's a liar and has been cheating the system, immediately opens with a scene of Wayne going, I got those VIN numbers right here. Yep. <laughs> Complete, which is just one more reminder that this is the same. It's similarly the same story, but this is not the same situation. I also felt like her use of the word in cahoots was her like, yeah, they're in cahoots with the mob, see? Um, <laughs> and I also noticed, though, that there's a lot of drawings uh, that I w- I'm trying to assume are Scotty's uh, that are of horses, uh, and and there's a horse figurine on the the back desk. But yeah, and speaking of those horses, so they're they're kind of leading us in two different ways here with Scotty because maybe um, those drawings, like they're obviously Scotty's drawings in Wayne's office, and there's like a there's like a couple like horse figurines too, I think, um, and and so maybe those maybe Scotty you know has still has a love for the horses back in old uh, Western North Dakota. It's in her blood. You know, maybe she kind of remembers that it's in her blood exactly. Um, but then there's also the drum set. So Scotty is kind of being tied to the Lars Homestead and the drums and the uh, Tillman God. Homestead Homestead. The Lars Homestead and the Tillman. I, Homestead. I love our conspiracy uh, theories, Sharpie. I love it. I. <laughs> I'm sure somewhere there's somebody raging in their car right now, but I still just I enjoy it so much. They're just like she has a drum set. That's like, get it. over Leave it. it. Get over it, it assholes. <laughs> it's just a drum set. It's a drawing of a horse. Kids draw pictures of horses. Uh do they? But do they? Let's go to the hospital. Want to go to the hospital? What? T- uh, yeah, I think the hospital's in Bismarck too. It is. It is. I, I actually that was my last note in this section was when just so we can assure people it's Bismarck. I think it is. Because when Gator leaves out that back alley behind him, and he snot, he full blown snot rockets. Put your finger and snot rocket one out. He snot rockets uh, a booger uh, out on the alleyway, getting into the car. <laughs> and in the background, there is a ambulance that says Bismarck on it. Okay. So I took as nice. a if we're going to give our local take, if out that hospital window, if that is Bismarck, holy shit. Call me, slap my ass, and call me Vancouver. Uh, there are not. I wish I could. There are not that many. <laughs> I come visit our state. It's it's great here, but there are not that many buildings of that uh, scale in this state, Fargo or Bismarck. Speaking of uh, laws, oh god! Uh, shout out to Tillman. Is it is it still a law in North Dakota that you can't build a building higher than the state capitol? I you know I should know the answer to this because it was some hubbub about it when they were building a new building in downtown Fargo. The problem is we won't know if that's true or I don't think so. I, I guess the answer is I don't know. Um, the other reason they couldn't make it taller than they wanted to in downtown Fargo was because it's too close to the um, airport runway areas for coming in. You know, leaving anyway. Dangerous. <laughs> I don't know. Jesus said the things you remember that I kind of forget about. But yes, that was our the state capital, by the way, is a whopping 19 stories. Mm. 
we are built on a giant pile of clay and dirt. It's not the best place yeah. to put a tall building. That's also a big part yeah. of it. You're not going to build a 30-story building along the we, Red River. We are geologically enthralled with urban sprawl because out of necessity, I think. Anyway, uh, let's go to the hospital. Tell, tell me about what you All make right. of Indira talking to Wit and, and, and the whole situation. Yeah, so we're so close uh, to Indira showing a photo to Deputy Whitvar um, of the perp or victim, you might say, um, of the shootings over near Beulah. Because um, the Deputy Olmstead has a, a photo of Dot on her phone. She's about to show uh, Deputy Whitvar. And uh, lo and behold, Gator interjects himself into the scene. So, uh, yeah, interesting scene. I, I, I mean, uh, maybe a little bit unbelievable for a lot of us that, um, you know, they're, they're chit-chatting. Uh, Wit or um, Gator's trying to get as much information as he can to see if this really was Dot that they encountered so that he can get to the bottom of that. Um, he borrows the phone from Deputy Olmstead, deletes the photo so that Whitfar can't see it now. I mean, I think we're all in a little bit of disbelief there, but this is the Fargo universe. Yeah. Um, stranger things have happened, and uh, uh, stranger things—no pun intended there. <laughs> <laughs> um, so you just gotta kind of roll with the fact that you know maybe Deputy Olmstead either doesn't know how to recover a deleted photo, doesn't know how to go into recently deleted photos, um, and doesn't have a second photo, and oddly has a photo. Is uh, is it a photo of a photo on her phone? Is that what that is? Which I. There's all sorts. Of, it's of the mugshot. Yeah, I don't know for sure, but there. I did pause on multiple screens. There are photos at the shooting range. There is a couple donuts and a coffee cup. There are crime scene photos because they've got like the little like measuring out. There's like the little cards mm-hmm. that mark things, and and then photos of golfing and flowers, and then mugshot. Mm-hmm. And this is the second scene where the word recidivist is used when. Um, Deputy Olmstead is referring to Donald Ireland, uh, who's the man that Dot killed Shut the fuck up, Donnie. Uh, on the commode. Yeah. Well, they think. Um, yeah. Lots I mean, of use of the word commode also in this if episode. You, if you think about it, Dot didn't kill him. He slipped, right? He Well, she smashed him with the ice, didn't she? She just merely put a few things into play, and whether he fell <laughs> on it, he could have stayed on that toilet. He could have stayed there. It's not her fault. Ice doesn't kill people. People trying to walk on ice kills people, Sharpie. <laughs> mm, that's Sorry. true. Oh, God. I got real um, diehard vibes from that. I don't know if oh, anybody else yeah. did, but that's that's great. I love it. Christmas. Speaking especially speaking with of Christmas movies and heading into the Nightmare Before Christmas. I, I did. I literally wrote Gator shows up, deletes photo. Come on, is what I wrote. Like <laughs> I would have just been like, you telling me she doesn't know where it is? Maybe, maybe she does know, and she's playing. We don't know what happened. Maybe Gator leaves the room and she's like, okay, now that that chuckle fuck is gone, let me show you the photo again. Maybe maybe, maybe yeah. we're, but we're not giving her enough credit. Maybe. And you know what? The more I thought about it, like, does it really, does it really matter that Whitfar IDs Dot? Like, what difference does it make? Can you explain uh, that to me? I, I think it makes a difference because he is the, because if he identify, positively identifies her, it destroys her i just went on what i call a walkabout to blow off steam it 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 destroys that oh, yeah. it destroys I that thing right. where you'd have to then look at a law enforcement individual and somebody who is actually um in this scene they do a really good job he he describes her as part rambo part macgyver and and mm-hmm. he also and then eventually but gator of course makes it sound you know it's like it sounds like a real comanche is what he says and then G- Gator, and the, but what Wit says is, all I know is that she looks like somebody who knows how small the cage can get. That to me is, it's the, <laughs> I almost thought about like the, uh, uh, like Pulp Fiction, like all I'm saying is it's not good to have a race car in the red. Mm-hmm. And the closer they close in on Dot, I think the more fierce she's going to become. But there is also a, a bit of banter between Wit and Gator about, protect and serve and how he's like i ain't gonna serve people i'll do what i want but he's also trying to you know get him to take 
uh, uh, Gator's also trying to get Wit to take his side and kind of demonize this woman. Like, you know, she got it. Didn't she get you shot? Kind of thing. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And Wit goes, no, actually, the job got me shot. So he's trying to split people up and get people on sides. Go figure. I love that. I love that. Uh, the other thing I thought that I didn't notice until the second watch was when he got in the car, he basically, he said, Gator said, consider that bitch flummoxed talking about Indira. And I, I immediately was like, I don't buy that for a hot second. Not even the closest. She's, she's got something mediate and she's not going to let go. She's, I mean, she's, I mean, it's very mm-hmm. obvious. She's already visited. She could have easily visited with with Wayne and, and and Dot and said, you know what? If this is what you say, I'm done. But she still drove clearly all the way to Bismarck or wherever to interview and talk to somebody to like tra- track a lead down. So, yeah, mm-hmm. I, I think I think we're just slowly learning that Gator is not his father, but believes his will and his might to be as strong as his father's and he's not he's he he can't even go in he can't even go in for a pop and spicy beef sticks and jerky without letting his partner get murdered gator mm-hmm. what a dipshit crocodile we'll dilemma just kidding okay but any anything else from the <laughs> hospital you want to like rip uh, through okay uh nope that's it for uh me. well why don't you tell me like so so we end up back at the wayne the wayne house yeah they're preparing for the the second coming of the the wet bandits here and uh very getting very creative and then uh wayne comes home and this is a very interesting scene between uh dot and wayne as they sort of get real close because uh obviously wayne knows something's up uh he has for a bit and dot's kind of confirming it um and trying to get him on the same page and wayne suggests you know maybe they should buy a gun and she's like yeah that's it uh and, and she oddly suggests maybe they should get well, yeah what was up with the net did you uh, <laughs> i don't know but i feel like that's that was my come literal single bullet point. point a net question mark yeah and then of course i love wayne's line i just want to play floor hockey in my socks with scotty and watch real housewives but I, you know what i kind of love about that scene is that as much as we I'm trying hard not to talk about Wayne as though he's a, a dip because maybe he's not. He's he's just a caring person who wants to love somebody and love their child and live a, 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 a simply you know peaceful life. And and I mm-hmm. think which is you know very Midwestern. <laughs> I know, and I think playing floor hockey in your socks and watching a little Real Housewives, you know, maybe upending a little bit of the spectrum of like. Where, like, who's the show for and what is it? I mean, like, you know, I think it makes him kind of endearing in a way, you know, when he's not cowering to his his mid-Atlantic gangster mother. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> what, yeah, what else do you get? What else did you pull out of that scene? Um, that was mostly it. I think what, what it's kind of doing is it's laying the foundation for us to now, like, springboard off of in the next episode. Because now we know that... They both know that, you know, they need some protection. They're going to start taking stuff seriously. She put on this whole spectacle of, like, all these booby traps throughout the house to kind of, like, illustrate to him, like, a children's book. You know, something is going on without flat out saying, hey, look, I got uh, I did get kidnapped and uh, I've got a whole other second life What here. do you make of the fact, though, that it didn't take long for him to come home, think it was crazy, and then turn and immediately say, mm-hmm. I am, I'm with you, Dot. Maybe, you know, let's go. Yeah, I don't know. I, I thought that was just the another example of him just wanting to be there for her. The only other thing I kind of weirdly noted was um, Roy talking about Kia, and they were like, "Do they they make they make Korean car?" Um, he he makes a reference to Scotty going upstairs and playing with her Samsung, which is also a Korean company, and I thought. Boy, that would piss mm-hmm. Roy off to know that his maybe it's his kid, right? Is not only driving around in a Korean car and also using a device not even made in America. That would just piss Roy that, off. That is a great call out because I did think that was odd that he called her. Or, yeah, or whatever. Or well, I think I was, maybe it's a tablet or whatever it was, but that's because we're like, you and I are just like dyed little Apple assholes. Um, I also think the reason I brought up, like, what do you think about, like, Wayne comes home and is like, this is insane. And he slowly works his way into a frenzy with her. Or she convinces him that I'm not going crazy. We're just doing the things we want of, like I said, for security. 
And eventually he's like, well, we should get yeah. a gun. And that's the guns and the nets. And then she eventually, she like reaches out to him and she just is like, you're such a gentle guy. And that's when he talks about. She she also convinces him that the security system was actually yeah, his yeah, idea. Yeah, yeah. You know. He, and this is the and this is her executing the idea to the best of their ability because they can't afford a fancy security system. So she's a good manipulator in that. And sense. in both of these scenes through there, it's probably the one time you know where where we've been talking about the um the the kind of like let's call it the 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 players that are pulling against Dot and Wayne of talking about Scotty what she should and shouldn't do. I did notice in these scenes that um that she calls. Scotty, her daughter, and her, and does that. But this is also the same scene where Wayne says, basically, you're all I ever wanted. You're a dream come true. And I think that as much as it's easy to get wrapped up in how much of a, a, a like a goof he might be, really, he's just a he's just a guy standing in front of a girl. Sorry, I'm sorry. No, I'm not going to go down. <laughs> it's Christmas. Sorry, I thought Notting Hill was going to be a real reference mm. here. Um, but yeah, they they get into that and the things happen and then next thing you know the Halloween song this is Halloween comes in and and we like we rack ourselves out and eventually end up back at the Revere where by the way over at the Gas and says, Go Revere you want to pop uh <laughs> that was good and buying the spicy beef jerky. That I love why? that little scene. Why does that why does that gas tickle station. both of our fancies he, so much? <laughs> because I think I've been there. I have yes, done this exactly. with people I know. Like Oh yeah. It's so re- it's so real. Yep. We've definitely lived that whole scene uh to a degree. <laughs> You're driving in a car with spicy with spicy jerky and Nugent, which I thought was a nice touch. Nugent is the other guy in the oh, car. Oh, really? The other deputy. Yeah, his name is Nugent. Well, um, he's dead he, now. Uh, you know, steps outside to get some gas. Yeah. Uh, but by the way, when I'm going a little bit back in the scene, but when Gator enters the store and that guy walks out, first of all, I don't know who that guy is. That seemed like a cameo of some sort. But they look at each other like oddly as if that guy maybe recognizes him as like a Tillman, uh, you know, family member because he was clearly like, put off by him or disturbed by him or afraid of him because they like, he like weirdly walks around him, gets into his station wagon, which is awesomely full of oh, kids in the back that's, and drives off. I saw the same thing, but I interpreted it differently. It, it was the, okay. It was to me, it was the antithesis of polite Midwest. Instead, once like, what would you have done if that happened? What would you have done? If somebody was coming out right as you were pulling it open, You'd hold the door. Oh, you'd hold the door for him? Gator doesn't. Yeah. He looks at him, and he's like, what the fuck are you doing? And then he holds up his cast like it's some sort of like, oops, I get to go first thing. So I right. think you're right. I think you're That's right it that is. it's just like, it's a normal guy, but it's the, um, I think it's it's this exposition of power, period. I Not only am I hurt, I'm a cop, or a, whatever the hell, a sheriff's deputy, and- Jesus, you know, whereas meanwhile, it's just a regular guy, which, yes, the the kids in the backseat of the uh, the old honey wagon, as I would call it, ready, ready to rock out. <laughs> yeah. So we see Oli Munch come in. He slays Nugent. Nugent's dead. <laughs> I, I, I kind of like it more. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's awesome. Uh, Ted Nugent. Hopefully that's a reference to Ted Nugent, who's still alive, by the way, unfortunately. Mm. Uh, just kidding. But Ted Nugent does suck. And he leaves a little, uh, not an IOU, but a you owe me. Okay, let's play. Let's play the game. Who dead next? Who dead next? Or do you think oh, we can? We, we're allowed to say nobody dies. No main characters. No main characters in the next no? episode for sure. Yeah. Nope. We don't have enough. We don't have enough characters yet. Anyway, we'll be back. New episode Tuesday. You and I are going to do a hot dish that night, so you'll get that in your. Uh, Cozy little inbox, uh, podcast inbox uh, Wednesday, and then we will probably take a day, pause for some breakdown and some time and do it. We will not, we're, we're not, we're not in the avenue of like first is best. Thanks for hanging tight no. with us. Thanks Sharpie for, uh, I know between your travel, your family time and mine, we've uh, probably annoyed a few people in our lives to get this done, but we really do love doing this. Uh, did, did you, did you have a sponsor read for this week or anything? 
Oh, we don't yeah. have a, we don't because, have sponsors. Uh, yeah, Do you know why we don't is... have sponsors, Harvey? Because I haven't found us any, and I've never really sought any recently. So, uh, no, we do not have sponsors. We just do this for the love of the game, as I said. We've last done it episode. before. But, um, yeah. If you want to sponsor, if you want to sponsor the episode, you certainly can. Email podcast at fargotalksfargo dot com. This week's uh, unofficial sponsor. Uh, we're just gonna we're just, we're just gonna say it is oh. my app. I make an app. Yes, that's right. It's available on the App Store, the Apple App Store. I have not uh, made an Android version yet. So sorry to those, you Samsung owners uh, out there. iPhone users. Yep, sorry for the Samsungs. Uh, you know, if we can get enough people on board, we can afford to make an Android version, which is in the plan for next year. Um, but the app is called Cora. That's K-A-U-R-A. And it is a mindfulness, uh, basically overall just wellness app. Um Wellness for everyone is what we say over at Cora. It is an app for meditation, for yoga, for working out, or um, if you study, suffer from things like ADHD, like I know what? my buddy Bill does, and he uses Cora. <laughs> Clearly, it's not working. You can use a. Uh, <laughs> Just kidding. Sorry, I'm kidding. You can use Cora to um, give yourself some focus. Basically, soundscapes. You design soundscapes. Uh, you can make a playlist, and we've got all kinds of tracks on there that we've produced. We audio produce tra- all audio, albums audio tracks and background. on Cora. We're yeah. Yep, we've uh, produced up to 50 albums and we've got more on the way. New albums come out every week, but pick up Cora. You can download that at Cora.co, K A U R A.co, and get your mindfulness on. There it is. Or your focus or whatever. I know I use I use Cora yeah. for writing a lot. I have to write a lot of content at work for websites and such, and I throw on some of the focus tracks. And I just, uh, it's great for sound masking, it's great for productivity. Um, and then I also use it for meditation. I practice TM, so it's multi-purposeful. There you go. So we sort <laughs> of had Cora. a sponsor read at the end of our episode that, hey, if you stayed yeah, through the end of this, thank you. Thank you for that. Please, please check out Cora. And, I, and I'm going to pay us nothing. All right. Hey, oh, yeah. And oh, if you're really bored and you're still listening, maybe I'll cut this out. I don't know. I say that a lot. Mm. Bill's doing the classic Midwestern goodbye here. Give us a give us a shout out. Give us a rating in whatever your favorite podcatcher app is, or turn somebody onto it. Um, even if you just tap the f- three stars, four stars, five stars, one star, do do what yeah, do what your heart tells you. You know. Um, but yeah, that's the other thing is because it does help us. It it does help us uh, figure out how to get more listeners and keep doing what we do. And all of your feedback is always welcome. So, Sharpie. See you out. See you. See you okay, at the then. Lars Homestead. See you at Lars Homestead. Bye bye now.